discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. Is Jesus not wonderful? Say Jesus is wonderful. Hallelujah. Well, I started sharing last week concerning uh, the first principles of the oracles of Christ, isn't it? The first principles of the oracles of Christ. And uh, it's a series of messages that we are going to be sharing, six in all. So we'll end in March. Hallelujah. And after we write an exam, do you like such things or you don't like them? So all of us will be writing an exam. The exam will be on the internet. So you just log on and then you do your exam and then immediately you finish. It gives you your results. Hallelujah. Do you like such things? All right. So I started off from Hebrews chapter 6, isn't it? Hebrews chapter 6 from verse 1. Hebrews chapter 6 from verse 1. It says, therefore, leaving the first principles of the doctrine of Christ. You know, he was writing to the Hebrew church. If you read from verse 1, verse, look at chapter 1 from verse 1. Hebrews 1, 1. Hebrews 1, 1. God, who at sunny times and in diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged us and sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Verse 4. Being made so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. You know, he's writing to the Hebrew church, and he's, he's saying so many beautiful things to them, because he knows what type of people they are. Okay? The Hebrews, the word Hebrew means a water crosser. When we say someone is a Hebrew, it means that the person is a water crosser. So the Hebrews are water crossers. People who cross over from one side to the other. So the first Hebrew is Abraham. Because Abraham crossed the river Euphrates onto the other side to come and live the way God wanted him to live. So Paul was telling them that we must leave. Just as you are a Hebrew and have left something to follow something, you must leave something to follow something once again. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. So you must leave this aspect. You must continue to something higher, to something greater. Okay? Huh. Let us go on, on to perfection. The word perfection is teleosis. It means a full, matured man. God's ultimate desire is that you will have, he will have men and women who are matured in the kingdom of God. God would not want his children to be children. Okay? God doesn't want you to be a child of God who just comes to church, sits down, hears and goes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you like what I'm saying? In heaven, God will not ask you whether you are born again or not. (laughs) He will ask you whether you did what he wanted you to do. He will ask you whether you fulfilled his mission for your life, his purpose for your life. That is what God is concerned about. God is more concerned about your your purpose, fulfilling your purpose. The born-again experience is very important. Without that, God cannot achieve his purpose of maturing you to become perfect in Christ. So the born-again experience is very important. It cannot be downplayed. However, After the born-again experience, God expects you to grow, to mature. God is looking for a perfect man. So if you read in Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 11, he lets you know why he gave pastors. Why are pastors there? Why am I a pastor? Why are these both pastors? Why are we coming into your life and talking to you and inviting you to church and always bothering you and knocking on your door and dragging you to church and doing all kinds of... Why are we doing all the things that we are doing? 
Do you see? It's, sometimes it's almost as though we are a nuisance to you. It's like, ah, why, why are these people worrying me like that? It's because there's something at stake. Do you see? There's something at stake. God is interested in your life. Okay? So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, right? So why are all these pastors and prophets and all these people there? Why are we in your life? Since he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Have you seen it? For the what? Perfecting. Are you a saint? If you're a child of God, you're a saint. Don't, don't think that we are not talking about the Roman Catholic Church making you a saint when you die. No. In the Bible, according to the Bible, when you become born again, you are made a saint. Okay? Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. It seems you don't believe me, so let me just show it to you in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 1, 1. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and sustains our brother. Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. You see the word to be is in brackets. What it means is that it is not supposed to be there. They put the, the translators, if you read the Bible and you see that, you see something in brackets. In, in square brackets, not brackets, brackets. You understand? There's square brackets and there's bracket brackets. You know that, right? Uh-huh. So if you see it in square brackets, what, is, what we are trying to let you know is that it is not in the original rendering. It's not in the original manuscript. They put it there for you to read the way they think it should read. You understand? Sometimes you have some Bibles where it is in italics. There are some words that are in italics. If they are in italics, you should know that they are, they, it was introduced there by the translators. If it's a good Bible, especially the ones, the book Bible, you see that they've marked that they'll put an asterisk there and then they'll write it, they'll write what they are trying to, what, why they put it there down on the margin of the, of the page and say that this is not in the original transcript. We put it there for it to read. You get it? <laughs> so, BB, okay, BB, I think BB does a better job at, this, at translating this verse. Look at it. It says, to the church of God, which is in Corinth, to those who have been made holy in Christ Jesus, saints by the selection of God. So by virtue of the born-again experience, you are made holy and you are made a saint. So when he says for the perfection of the saints, he's talking about Christians. God gave pastors and other people to perfect or to mature to develop Christians. So your life must develop. Your Christian life must develop. It is not good for you to be on the same level since 1975. Since the 80s. I mean, you, the way you are is still the same way you are. You got born again in 1973. And as of 1975, when you, you change small, you have remained the same till date. So he sent apostles and all those people for the perfection of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Now, there's no comma there, actually. It's supposed to read this way, for the perfection of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. In other words, our job is to perfect the saints so that the saints will do the work of the ministry and also edify the body of, of Christ. So the saints are the ones to do the, the, the work of the ministry, not the pastors. In many places, they leave their job for the pastors. They say that the, the pastor is the one who is supposed to preach and evangelize people and bring people to church. It is unfortunate that that is not what is written in the Bible. What is written in the Bible is that you, 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 you should be the one to bring people to the house of God. You should be the one to be involved in raising people and helping them grow in the Lord. Can you imagine? Hallelujah. So God expects you to have knowledge of certain things. Okay, look at this. This is the message of that verse. It says, to train, he gave all those people to train Christians in skilled servant work. Working within Christ's body, the church. Have you seen it? Working within Christ's body, the church. Then they go back to the King James. So we all come, all that we are supposed to help you grow in the Lord and do the work of the ministry. So we all come in the image of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Unto a perfect man. So God is looking for a perfect man. Teleosis. Okay? So when Paul mentioned in Hebrews chapter 6, what we're reading initially from verse 1, he says that, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection. There's a perfection that God would have you get to. So last week I, I showed you the various levels of maturity. We are born again as children, as babes. First Peter chapter 2 verse 2. Okay, it says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. 
as newborn babes, breforce, newborn babe. So we are born as babies in the kingdom of God. But then we are expected to grow, to become a pater, a father. Just imagine uh, a 25-year-old man still wearing pampas. Wee-weeing and poo-pooing in the pampas. Who will be the one to go and remove the pampas from his bottoms? You know, when babies poo-poo, you have to take the pampas off, put some powder on their bottoms, and put another one back, innit? Uh, so who will be doing that for that 25-year-old? Just imagine the type of hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So God is expecting all of us to grow. He's expecting all of us to grow. And there are some foundations that he's expecting us to cover to make sure those foundations are secured. They are, they are excellent. There's no problem along that line. You, are, you have understanding with respect to these things. Okay? If you are in school, we have all been to school before. If you are in secondary school form one, there was a curriculum you needed to go through. You had to pass those exams, and then you are moved on, you are pushed to form two. Then in form two, when you do what you're supposed to do, you learn and do all that you're supposed to do. You are pushed to form three, isn't it? Yeah. Then in form three, you are educated to be able to write wasi. Then you are pushed to university. The same thing happens. You continue and continue and continue to nursing training or to polytechnic or whichever school you, you got in, in. Hallelujah. So God expects us to mature. And there's a doctrine, there's a curriculum for our maturity to move on from babyhood or from... And you see, what he's saying here is not that after learning these things, you are matured. Do you understand? <laughs> That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that these things, learning how to combine them for yourself is what makes you matured. Okay? So there's nothing like, oh, I've learned... All that I'm supposed to learn. I've learned the first principles of the doctrine of Christ, so now I am matured. No, 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 no. You've made a mistake. Hallelujah. Okay, so he says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. And I began last week by talking about repentance from dead works. What did I say about it? Who remembers? Rhoda, did you lift your hand? Yes, let's hear what Rhoda has to say. Hallelujah. Thank you, Daddy. Um, I learned that dead works are works that are not initiated by God. They are works that, like, you, you, do, in, you do it in the body. They are works that, that are not recognized by God. It's like you are doing it just like that. So God doesn't see that works as a work that they are not initiated it's not by clear. God. It's, it's not clear. It's powerful, but it's not so clear. Uh-huh. Clap for I think she has done well. Can someone clarify it some, some more for us? Okay, Patrick. First of all, what I heard is that the word repentance is from the word, the Greek word metanoia. Okay. And it's to meta and then noia. Mm-hmm. And then uh, meta is uh, change. And then noia is mind. So first of all, it has to do with change of mind. And then we have to repent from dead works. And dead works kind of like um, what we, we think it is the right thing to do, but in the sight of God, it is not. So repentance means that change from the normal way of thinking, the way you think that this is the right thing to be done. Okay, I have to eat this way, I have to sleep that way, I have to go this place and move that way. But then that is not it. We have to now change our mind to what God says we should do. That Okay, if you have to sleep at this time, God says that no. This is the right time for you to sleep. At this time, you need to be praying. So that is what I got from repentance. From Very powerful. I think that hits the nail on the head, isn't it? Let's clap for him. So, dead works. He says, repent. There are different words for repentance. There are different words for repentance. I mentioned that it's the last time. There's metanoia. There's metanus, actually. Okay? Or metanao. Okay? Metanoia, metanao. But metanoia and metanao are the same. It all means a change of mind. Okay, a change, say a change of mind. mind. So God is expecting you to repent, not with respect to other types of repentance, but this type of repentance where you change your mind concerning dead works. Okay, there's another word for um, repentance, which is metamelomaya. Okay, metamelomaya is M E T A M E L L, okay, O M. I A meta melo maya, and it means to regret. It means to regret. 
but it's also translated repentance in the Bible. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you read, let's read Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27 from verse 1. So if you read the Bible, you realize that Judas also repented. But his repentance did not lead him to change. His repentance rather led him to kill himself. So what kind of repentance did he have? He had the regret type of repentance, not the changing mind type of repentance. Are you seeing it? So he says, when the morning was come, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him unto death, to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself. So the Bible emphatically mentions that he repented. But going into details will let you know what kind of repentance he experienced. The word here is metamelumai. He repented himself. He regretted for what he had done. And brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. He says, when he saw that he was condemned, when he saw that he was condemned, he, the response to the condemnation that he had was to regret. I, I, I regret my actions. Can something be done? So he went back and gave, back, gave them back the 30 pieces of silver. But that kind of repentance does not do anything to God. You've regretted. Regret does not mean that you will not do it again. I realize that sometimes you do something, you got a girl pregnant. At that moment, you were very repentant. Or you went to steal and they caught you, they apprehended you. And there's a Sanhedrin around you, people are talking, people are saying things, everybody is talking to you. You, you stand, you realize that, I've done something wrong. I'm so sorry. How do you say that in, in, in English? I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed. Oh, I'm so sorry. But the, you realize that the next time you have the opportunity to steal again, you do something bigger. I see what I'm talking about. That is the kind of repentance Judas had. Metamelomine, to regret. He regretted. And that is not the kind of repentance God is looking for from us. He wants us to change our minds concerning dead works. What is dead works? Dead works is from the word uh, necros, right? It means lifeless works. Works that are not initiated by the Spirit of God and by the, the life of God that is inside you. Why are you going to propose to the girl? I just like her. It's a dead work. That's, that proposal and the time you spent in that relationship is waste. You have wasted your time. You have wasted your life because you never consulted the Holy Spirit inside you. You never consulted the life of God inside you to know whether you are supposed to go along that line. Do you understand what I'm saying? You are going to, you, you want to say something. And as you are trying to say it, you realize that something is inside you telling you, no, don't say it. Don't say it. Like the lady has dressed nicely. And uh, her, her boobs are showing. You want to say it. You want to say that, Charlie, dress well next time. But this person just came to church. She, she just came. Do you see? She just came. And so, but you want to correct. So you are trying to correct. I, then something is I to tell you. Don't say it. She just came. If you say it, she will not come back again. Don't say it. Don't say it. Then you will say. You see, this type of dressing should not be allowed in the house of God. No, is a person coming for the Lord or coming for dress? He's coming. The person is coming because of Jesus Christ. Jesus has set all kinds of people. He sat to sinners and heir to sinners. He, sinners must be allowed to be in the house of God. But then with time, because of what was inside him, what was inside him changed sinners. That is why he said, the, the physician is not sent to heal people who are already well. The physician is sent to heal people who are not well. Do you see? So church is to heal people who are not well. Church is like a, it's like a hospital. Jesus compared himself to a physician, to a, to a doctor. Doctors are meant to... How many people in the hospital are fine? If you are fine, you don't go to the hospital. Doctors are there to cure people who are not fine. In the same way, the church is there to cure people who are not fine. So if someone came in and did not, did not dress well, we all shouldn't look at the person and correct the, everybody after church. You see, you shouldn't be bringing this to church. You shouldn't be bringing this to church. Do you think the person will come to church again? Let me, you are even showing scriptures. You may be showing scriptures, but what you are saying is not right according to the life of God, according to the word of God that we all, we all know. Yeah, true. So you must depend on the Holy Spirit within to show you what to say and show you what to do. Now, if you correct the person, 
whilst the Holy Spirit was telling you not to correct the person, what you just did, you think that you have done good, but it is a great evil in God's eye because it will lead the person to go away and never go to church again. Never go to church again. Someone wrote something on Facebook recently. He said that uh, someone went to church and the person, um, a phone, his phone rang whilst the service was going on. He forgot to put it on silence and the phone rang. When the phone rang, that was the end. Everybody corrected him. Everybody, from beginning to end, everybody. Why, and he's, he's, he's someone who has been in church for a long time. So everybody was insulting him. Why? Everybody was correcting out of the first impulse, out of the mind, not out of the spirit. I see what I'm talking about. And because it was like that, he didn't come back to church again. He went to a club. When he went to a club, he was drinking his beer, and then he spilled it on top of the table, and he ended up destroying the shirt of the one who was by him. The guy who was by him didn't reprimand him. He said, oh, I'm so sorry. Don't, oh, don't worry about it. Should I buy you another round? <laughs> Should I buy you another I'm going to buy. Give him another round. Then the one who was on the desk, the one who was serving the, the drinks, said, oh, don't worry about it. I'll clean it. Then he, the person also wiped the table. What do you think the guy would do? He's going to stay in the club forever because where he is, no, he's a member. Nobody condemns him. It's like he's accepted. He's accepted, so he's going to be there forever. So by virtue of our, of our, of our not changing our mind along this line, along dead works, we've ended up, the church has ended up sucking a lot of people. I'm talking about the body of Christ in general, not just this church, the body of Christ in general. Offenses, criticisms, Things that we are not supposed to say, we'll say it. If you look at why people leave church, it's because of small, small things. Things people say. What's it, what's it, what's it? Have you heard? Have you heard of this? Have you heard of that? When you come to say it, the Holy Spirit will tell you, don't say it. Don't say it. But then your mouth, tell anybody your mouth, your mouth, this is your mouth, will just quickly say it. You should know that you have worked the dead work and God is not going to reward you for you could you had an opportunity to do something powerful in someone's life and you didn't do it. I see what I'm talking about. So repentance from dead works has to do with re- responding to the life of God that is within. So that you work works of gold, works of silver, works of precious stone. I explained what all that meant, or all that means the last time. Okay? Can I go on now? Alright. So meta melomai has to do with regret. Regret. And that's not what God is looking for. That's not what God is looking for. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's read from verse 8. 2 Corinthians 7 from verse 8. You will see what true repentance means. When someone says he has repented, he has changed his mind, what does it mean? You can subtitle this one, seven signs of true repentance. True repentance. I mean, when we say someone has really repented, really, really changed his mind concerning something, not the regret type, but the metanoia type, the change of mind type. So this thing that I'm talking about, if you really change your mind about something, okay, you, the, kind, the way you respond is what is written in the Bible here. Okay? It says, for though I made you sorry with the letter, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church, this for though I made you sorry with the letter, I do not repent. The word repent here is metamolomai. I don't regret that I made you sorry. He says, I made you sorry with the letter. Why did Paul write the letter? He wrote the first epistle of Corinthians. Okay? The first epistle of Corinthians. That's first Corinthians. And in first Corinthians chapter 5, if you read on, you realize that there was this guy in the church who was sleeping with his father's wife. He was busy sleeping with his father's wife. It wasn't his mother. It was his father's wife. But he was sleeping, he was around, many. And he came to the church. When he came to the church, he was not... He was not repentant. He didn't have any change of mind. He was even boasting. The first meeting they had with him, he regretted his actions. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did did that. But then he continued doing it anyways. And then continued by even boasting about it in church. Charlie, you go feed what I do. (laughs) I mean, I chop big things. So you know, be small things. I chop big things. I chop. Yeah. I mean, he was boasting about it, and the church had nothing. The, the church was not worried. So Paul wrote to them and blasted the whole church. He insulted them from head to toe. And everybody in the church was crying because of his letter. They cried and said that even Paul, when he's here, it's like his words are so sharp, but when he's here, his, his physical 
countenance is even small. He's the smallest guy. Who is he that he's talking to us like that? He blasted them seriously. So he wrote back to them and said that, even though I made you sorry with the letter, I am not, I don't regret. Though I did regret. <laughs> though I did repent, for I perceive that the same epistle has made you sorry, though it were bad for a season. Next verse. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrow to repentance. You sorrow to a change of mind. So the, the word repentance is metanoia. You sorrow to repentance. There's something called godly sorrow that leads to repentance. You, you repented, you sorrowed unto repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner. That you might receive damage by us in nothing. Next verse. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. Not to be repented of. The word repented there is a metamelotos. A metamelotos. <laughs> a metamelotos. I'm spelling it for you. A M E T A M E L L E T O S. A M E T A M E L L E T OS, a meta melotros, which means irrevocable, irrevocable or unregretting. Okay, now look at Romans chapter 11, verse 29. A similar, this word is used there as well for repentance. Romans 11, 29. God, the Bible says that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. That isn't it. For the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. The word repentance there is a meta melotros, which means irrevocable. The gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. God does not regret when he gives a gift to somebody and calls somebody. It is irrevocable. It is without repentance. God does not repent. God does not regret. Do you understand? Yeah. So Paul is saying in the other place that even though I wrote unto you a letter that made you sorry, I don't regret for writing that letter to you because that letter made you sorry and sorrow unto godliness. Unto repentance, unto a change of mind. The sorrow that you had made you change your mind concerning the situation. Concerning that dead work that you were working. I saying it. Then he says, for though I made you sorry. Go, go, go down to verse 10. He says, for godly sorrow. Say godly sorrow. Godly Say it again. Godly sorrow. Godly sorrow. godly sorrow is a good thing. There's something God called godly sorrow. And there's another thing called worldly sorrow. Okay. God says, for godly sorrow, work at repentance to salvation. It worked repentance to salvation for you to be saved, delivered from that particular situation. You went to fornicate and you repented. What type of repentance did you have? Was it the regret type or the change of mind type? Most of the time it's the regret type. You regret, ah, what I did was not good. But when the opportunity comes again, you will do it again. The fact that you did it again means that the first sorrow was, the, it's called, was worldly sorrow. You, didn't, you, you actually had worldly sorrow that led you to not change your mind. So, the Holy Spirit told you not to talk, not to say something to somebody. And you said it. And then you were sorry. Because as you are going, the Holy Spirit keeps nagging you. Have you ever yeah. had that? You keep, you shouldn't have said what you said. You just say, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, dear Holy Spirit, I'm so sorry. But the next time that opportunity rises again, you will, see, you will do the same thing again. Why? Because of the kind of repentance you are having. You are having only worldly sorrow that is leading to the ungodly type of repentance, the regret type of repentance. The Judas type of repentance. The Judas type of repentance leads you to kill yourself. It leads you to a place where you'll be destroyed. You will terminate your life with time. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. Amethamelotos. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. Have you seen it? The sorrow of the world worketh what? Death. The sorrow of the world is the sorrow, is the sorrow that leads to regrets. Regrets. Judas regretted. Judas repented and regretted. And the regret led him to kill himself. He, he regretted so much. He was like, I can't live again. I can't live again. Me and Pa have done this. No. Sometimes, some people also believe in themselves so much. They don't understand why they ended up sleeping with the girl. It's like, when the zip was coming down, I, I should have made the zip stop. How come I still continued? You were, it's, it's called worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow. Look at the next verse. Worldly sorrow always leads to death. Then it says, for behold, this self-same thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort. There are seven things that godly sorrow will work in you, or real repentance will work in you. If you really repented about something, if you really had a change of mind about something, these seven things will be there in your life. It will show in your life. 
For behold, this self same thing that is sought after godly thoughts. What carefulness it wrought in you. So number one thing is carefulness. If you really repented about that particular thing that you say you repented of, you will become very careful now. It works carefulness in you. So if you are going to go to the, room, the girl's room at 10 p.m., you will not want to even go to the girl's room anymore. Yeah. When a girl calls you, you say, see you, bye-bye. <laughs> bye-bye, see you. It works carefulness. You become careful in life. You become careful not to put yourself in that particular situation. You stole. You stole something. They caught you. They, they bashed you and all that. And you say you have changed. You have repented. Oh, I have repented about this thing. If you have repented, then when you see something there that you want to take, you'll be very careful this time around. You will, not, you will say, this thing that is there, I know. I've seen some before. I have seen some before. I know what this thing can do to me. I'm not going to get close to this thing again. It works carefulness. Carefulness is fear. You, you become afraid now. Are you seeing what I'm talking about? What carefulness is wrought in you? Yea, what clearing of yourselves? Clearing of yourselves. <laughs> what does it mean to clear yourself? You don't want to be associated with it at all. You are so dissociated with the thing that everybody knows that, oh, this person, he has really changed. The Holy Spirit will know that, oh, he has really changed. No, 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 no. He's, clear, he's cleared himself. Do you understand? Clear yourself. You sign all the documents that makes you know that I'm not associated with this thing anymore. Like the way you clear yourself in school. When you finish school, you have to go and clear. You have to go for clearance. You, clear, you sign things so that they know that all the things, the things that they had with you are now back to the school. The gown, the academic purposity is back. All the things that need to come are, are there. You've, you don't have any books from the library that you have put in your trunk taking home. All the books, the library, so you clear yourself in the library, you clear yourself in the department, you clear yourself in the... You clear yourself everywhere. Through signatures, they check, and then you sign things, and then you clear yourself, and then you go scot-free. Same thing with the spirit. You must clear yourself with whatever you have repented of. I what I'm talking about. You must sign documents and say, it is finished. This thing, I am not coming to it again. So help me God. So if it is godly sorrow, it will work in you. Carefulness, it will work in you. A clearing of yourselves. Yea, what indignation. The next thing is indignation. Number three. Signs of true repentance. Signs of true change of mind. Indignation. Do you understand indignation? Can someone check it for me in the, in the dictionary? Indignation. When we say someone is indignant about something, what does it mean? That's why when you're reading your Bible, you must have a dictionary by it. You realize that some of the words you, don't, you genuinely don't understand. I've, been indig- I've mentioned indignation. You are, you are thinking if you are, it's imagination. It's a brother of imagination. But it's not a brother of imagination. It's something else. What does it mean? Okay, this one says, anger aroused by something unjust, unworthy, or mean. You become angry. It's a young time. It is nasty for you. Uh-huh. So whatever you have repented of, so sometimes we confess, Father, forgive me, I, I did this against you, I confess, I pick up forgiveness to myself, and I repent, Lord, I, I change my mind about it. What has it, what, has it worked anything in you? Has it worked indignation in you? Hmm? Anger. You don't want to be close to that thing again because of what you know it did to you. The sky it gave you. I don't want to be close to this thing again. No, I don't like it again. True repentance will work in you indignation. Annoying. You are angry with the thing. When you see it, I don't want to get close. No, no, no. I don't. This thing, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't want to get close to it. But if it's not like that, then you should know that you have not really repented. You had the first type. Regrets. Worldly sorrow. Death is coming. Have you ever seen a lady who has had a first child with somebody the person didn't accept? And then she has a second child, either with that same person or with another person. And then a third child with the first one. Sorry? Because experience is not the best teacher. She has experienced it so many times. And she every time when she gets pregnant, the guy says, I don't like it. She will say, Ah, I won't do this thing again. When she's in the labor room, she'll be insulted that guy question. Who, who, mommy, who, papa, me now? Why am I saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. She'll be saying so many things. But if Kwesi should come back again and touch her like this, baby, it's finished. It's finished. It's finished. You see that the same lady who was shouting in the in the in the labor ward will just change her mind. And it will happen again. Why? Because 
She didn't undergo metanoia. She went through metamelomai. And she had, she sorrowed, but the sorrow she had was worldly sorrow, not godly sorrow. Godly sorrow works carefulness. It works, what else? Clearing of yourselves. It works indignation. Then the next thing it works is that, yeah, what fear? It works fear in you. Fear. What vehement desire? Fear. Number four is fear. Number five is vehement desire. Vehement desire for what? Vehement desire for the opposite of what you experienced. You understand? Vehement desire for the opposite of what you experienced. So the next time, you would want to do the opposite of what you did. You would want to do the opposite of that thing. The Holy Spirit told you, don't go here. You went and you fell into trouble. The next time, when you see anything concerning it, you say, hey, let's do the other one. This one, I know. This, I know. Let's do this one. That's what I'm talking about. You would want to do the opposite of it. The opposite of it. The thing controlled you. Now you say, and it really made you sad. I'm sad. How could I have done this? God, forgive me. After saying God should forgive you, make sure your repentance is the godly type. Your sorrow is the godly type, not the worldly type. Because regret will always lead you. Hmm? Regret will always lead you back. You keep falling back. You keep falling back. You must have it. Ah, God, I shouldn't have done this. The next time you see it again, God, you know that. You know that. <laughs> yeah, you keep going and going and going because there's no vehement desire against that thing. Godly sorrow works vehement desire in you. Causes you to change your mind. Then the next thing is zeal. Zeal. Zeal for what? Zeal for the opposite of what you did. You have a desire and a zeal. And then it says, and what? Revenge. You want to even punish that particular thing that you experience. You are so angry with it, you want to punish it. In all things, you have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. So these were the process they went through to clear themselves of this particular matter. That is real repentance. When you say someone has repented, this is what we mean. Yes, this is what we mean. So you have to repent. Tell anybody, you have to repent. From dead works. Yeah, works that has no life in it. You must decide. You must have a desire to learn what it means to hear the Holy Spirit. What it means to be led by the Holy Spirit. We've preached about it so many times. This, that message is captured in what I'm telling you now. You must want to know what it means to be led by the Holy Spirit. How can the Holy Spirit lead me? Through the inward witness. Through his word. Through an audible voice. Okay? And the primary thing is through his word and through the inward witness. Romans chapter 8 verse 16. Look at Romans chapter 8 verse 16. Romans 8 16. The Spirit himself bears witness of that Spirit that we are the children of God. He bears witness. It's called the inward witness. There's always an inward witness from, from within. The Holy Spirit bears witness from, with your Spirit concerning your new birth. If he bears witness concerning your new birth, which is the most important thing in your life, how much more your growth things concerning your development and your growth and what you're supposed to do and not to not do. Sometimes someone wants to be your friend. And that's what God will tell you. Don't, don't let this person be your friend. Yes. The Holy Spirit said, don't let this person be your friend. David said, I'm a companion of them who keep your word. I'm a companion of those who keep your words. That's what David said. David said, I'm a companion of all them that keep thy law and fear thy name. They keep your law. My companions, my friends are those who keep your word. Who are your friends? Ask your neighbor, who are your friends? Do you know who a friend is? A friend is someone you walk with. Someone you talk with, someone you share with, someone you 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 fry egg and eat with. Obi the bongo at Africa. Fry egg and eat with. Someone eh? I'm a companion of all them that fear thee, and of them that keep thy precepts. That's my. Those are, those are my companions. Who are your companions? Jesus was a friend of sinners, but he was not a companion of sinners. Who are your friends? Who are your companions? Your best friend is a club girl. Club, big time club girl. She goes to club on Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And she's your best friend. You should know where your life is going to go. Your bestie, your BFF forever. Uh, <laughs> no BFF. 
Real, real what? Real VMP. What does that mean? My very main person. Wow, this is the first time I'm hearing that one. My very main person. Real VMP. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm a companion of them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. You see. So, godly sorrow that leadeth unto a change of mind. A change of mind. Allow the soul of God to lead you. So, you must want to know. You have to. The Holy Spirit prompts you. The Holy Spirit leads us through allowing and constraining us concerning various things. He either allows you or constrains you. You see, in the Old Testament, they were led by something called the, the Urim and the Tumim. But apart from the Urim and the Tumim, there was, uh, there was this light, okay, that became the Urim and the Tumim. Huh. But you, let's, let's talk about the Urim and the Tumim, okay? The Urim and the Tumim was... Urim and Tumim. <laughs> Tumim is spelled T-H-U-M-I-M-M-I-M. Tumim. Urim is spelled U-R-I-M. Okay, it means lights for perfections. Lights for perfections. And it was a light that was behind the breastplate of the high priest. The high priest always had a breastplate on his breast, on his chest. And there was a light inside the breastplate. Now, if they needed something, they needed direction concerning something, they consult the high priest and talk to the high priest. We want to do ABCD. What does God say? The lights inside the bre- behind the breastplate will start shining. The breastplate had all the alphabets of the Hebrew letters on it. Okay, it was divided into four. It had various parts. Now, it will just show forth. The light will just show forth and show you the letters. That's God is saying. So if, if God says, go, it will, I'm just using English terms for you to understand. That's not how it is really. But then the light will shine through J, and then O, go. So when, uh, if you read in Joshua, Joshua chapter 7, I think, when they were trying to beat a certain country called Ai, and they were beaten by Ai. Ai was a very small town, very, very small town. They are just beating Jericho. They came to Ai, and Ai beat them, killed some of them. So Joshua couldn't understand. So Joshua spoke to God. God, what have we done? What is, why have you forsaken us? God said, to stop blaming me. The problem is in your camp. Wake up and go and do what you're supposed to do. So they, all, they called everybody. God said that someone has taken of their cursed thing because God told them not to take of anything from Jericho because Jericho was the first town they were beating. They were fighting after crossing the river Jordan. So everything that belongs to that particular town, the first, that, that's the first, it belongs to God. All the gold they found there, all the silver they found there, all the purple they found there, all everything they found there was supposed to be for God. It was for, for God's house. But a man called Achan, when he saw, he saw some clothes and saw some gold, and he couldn't, his eyes were just like, this one, it has to be for me. We have suffered, we have fought. We fought and overcame. Let me take some. So he took some of it and went to hide it in his tent. He dug the ground and hid it in the tent. Valentine's Day gift for his beloved. This Thursday will be very serious. And so God, because of that, they couldn't win the war. So when they came back, God told Joshua, find who, who did it. What did they do? They called all the tribes. There were 12, 12 tribes of Israel during those times. All the 12 tribes stood before the high priest and before Joshua. When they stood before the high priest, Joshua inquired of the high priest, which tribe is the person from? So the breastplate, the light in the breastplate started showing. Which tribe was it? Was it in Judah? It showed J. U D A H. Then they chose the tribe of Judah because what it means is that every other tribe is free now. Everybody can go. But the tribe that is in trouble is Judah. Then the tribe of Judah, they were families. So the next thing, which family is he from? Then they showed the family of somebody. He showed, pa, let's say, Paul. P A. U, it's like magic. P A U L. It just showed pah, like that. Okay, every family can go away. The family of Paul, come. And the family of Paul came to stand there. Now, in the family of Paul, the, Paul has so many sons. So, which of Paul's sons is the person involved in? Then they showed. Which, which, whose name should we use? Brian. So, B R I A N. Then Brian's family was chosen. 
Then in Brian's family, which of Brian's sons did that wrong? Hmm? And he brought his house, household man by, by he bring, he's, they brought the household man by man. And Achan, the son of Kami, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. He was taken. He was a guy who was at fault. How did they find out? They found that through the women and Thumim. Now, in the New Testament, we have been made priests, kings and priests to the Lord. The women and Thumim, that was on the breastplate of the, the high priest, that was leading Israel. It led them in so many ways. So many ways. Not only in this one, but in so many ways. That human to me has sunk into our spirits. So we have, we have the spirit of God living in us now to guide us and to give, show us by lights. How, what light, I'm talking about the word of God. Lights of perfections, the word of God. You show us through the word. He will, elevate, he will illuminate the word of God to you and show you that this is where I'm supposed to go. This boy, no. This girl, yes. This school, no. This school, yes. This, say this, don't say this. Say that, don't say that. It's inside. You remember, to him, I've sunk into our spirits. And it is for our guidance, for our leadership. If you ignore it, every single thing that you are doing is a dead work. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, let me leave. I'll, I'm leaving something very big with respect to repentance of the dead work. Because for the Jews, repentance didn't mean something else. Repentance for the Jews had to, the Jews had to change their minds concerning the sacrifices and the feasts and all those things. And Paul was writing to Hebrews. So the real repentance he was talking about for them had to do with changing their minds concerning the sacrifices of the Old Testament. Because the Jews wanted to still continue sacrificing things. They didn't want to agree. So if you read chapter 15, in chapter 15, they came with a question concerning whether salvation through Christ, through faith, is enough. They came with a question concerning it. Whether they should still sacrifice and still undergo circumcision in order to be saved. And that question had to be dealt with. But even after that, it continued throughout Paul's life. Because the Jews always wanted to bring Judaism into Christianity. And Paul fought it for a very long time. If you read in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul talks about how that the law is waxed old and it is vanishing. The glory that was in the law is gone. There's a new glory. There's a better glory from the Spirit. Do you understand? Uh-huh. So that is another. So he was telling them, repent, change your mind. And right now there are Christians who want to also import those things into church. Some Christians want to still uh, 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 celebrate Pentecost and celebrate Hanukkah and celebrate the Feast of Trumpets and celebrate new moons. So they have blood moons and this one and this one and this one. But all that, it says we should change our minds concerning those things and bring our minds to Christ. Christ is the ultimate and we are in Christ now. That's, that's the end. They were all shadow of, a shadow of Christ and Christ has come. The body is Christ. So no more feasts. Do you understand? Christ is our feast for every day. He's our feast. He's our Sabbath. He's our, he's our yearly sacrifices. He's our monthly sacrifices. He's everything. That's why it says, let no man judge you in respect of meats and all that. Go, this is Colossians 2, 16. It says, therefore, let no man, let no man therefore judge you in, in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or in the, of the new moon or the Sabbath days. The holy, the holy days represent the three major feasts in the year. The holy days were once every year. Then the Sabbaths, go back. All of the new moon. The new moon was done every month. And then all of the Sabbath days. The Sabbath days were, was done every week. So what he's saying is that Jesus is now, Christ is now our week. He's our day. He's our week. He's our month. He's our year. There's no need to go into sacrificing things. Sacrificing of bulls and bullocks and oxes and all those things it's done, it's finished, there's no need for anybody so if any pastor calls me and say you have to bring a sheep for them to make a sacrifice for your sins you should know, and right now all kinds of a country are coming people are sacrificing all kinds of things I was told about someone who was given a sponge by a prophet to go and, to go and bath on a refuse dump at 2am refuse dump at 2am when he finishes he should throw the the sponge on the refuse dump and go away. That was their country to rid him of all generational cases. What Jesus did is not enough. So people are doing all kinds of things. Someone was told to wee wee on himself in public as their country for a visa. And he did it. So he wee on himself in public. He wee on himself every all over. Why? It's a dilation. It's a dilation. 
and he got the visa. He did get the visa. He didn't need to do that. He didn't need to do that. Someone was sitting here some time ago. I think they are gone now. One of our church members. He came here. He was applying for a U.S. visa. He came here, and he was looking for me to pray for him. I was not had traveled. When he came, he was just like, as I was standing here because I was not, he was like, what should I do? The Holy Spirit told him, lie on the altar and pray. So he came here and came to lie on the altar and prayed for about 30 minutes, spoke in tongues. God told him, go, you get it. When he went, he got it. I didn't even have to say anything. I didn't have to say anything to him. No, we mean nothing. He got a visa. Yeah, another brother was here last week, just last week. Was it last week? Yeah, I think so. last week, Sunday. He came that he was going to apply for a U.S. visa and all that. I just held him and, you know, that kind of greeting we do. Like this. Let's pray. So I just pray like this. Father, thank you that he gets a visa. In Jesus' name, amen. Go. It's, it's done. You'll be fine. He, got, he went and he got it. No, we mean nothing. <laughs> the thing, if you will get it, you'll get it. If you not get it, you will not get it. <laughs> you understand? It, it has nothing to do with it. It has nothing to do with, do with that at all. If it is time for you to go, you will go. Sometimes it's not time for you to go. When you go, you go and your life is finished. You go, it is not the leading of the spirit. You go, your life is finished. Yeah, someone died. Someone I know went to die. He moved from Ghana to go and die in America. Young guy, because America, we must go to America. They were having a, a, a small party, small get together. He closed from work. He decided to pass through. He just passed through. They were all laughing, laughing, talking, drinking, eating, and all that. A stray bullet from somewhere just came and passed through his heart and killed him. Stray bullet. Someone shot a gun from somewhere, not targeting him. And the bullet moved from where it was and went through his heart and killed him. Yeah, there were, there were pictures circulating all over the place. His eyes were open like this, in shock, like he died in shock. <laughs> in America, too, this happens? Yes. Yes. Because he was not, probably was not sent there. But he decided that that's what he would go to. It was a dead work, and dead works will always lead you to death. Do you understand what I'm saying? Rise on my feet and just thank God for what I shared with you. Thank God. Thank God. Say something to the Lord. Talk to God. Tell God, help me know you more. Help me trust you more. Help me have faith towards you. Faith towards you. You are the author and the finisher of my faith. Help me to trust you with my life. Help me to trust you with my life. To know that you are not in to destroy me. God bless you for listening. Keep listening to the word as Christ is made the center of your world. For prayer and counseling, call 024-563-8314 or send an email to info at christworldinc.com. God bless you.